Welcome to the Road to Black Podcasts, brought to you by the BJJ Physio. The BJJ Physio helps optimize the training of jiu-jitsu athletes so they can dominate their next performance. How do they do this? They provide strength and conditioning, physical therapy, and heart rate-based conditioning through a completely remote and online management system. Meaning you can be anywhere in the world and take your BJJ performance to the next level. Contact Dr. Wesley Reed at info at thebjjphysio.online or follow him at the BJJ Physio on Instagram to find out more. Also brought to you by Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Visit rollunion.com and follow Roll Union on Instagram to shop the latest jiu-jitsu styles. Roll Union brings you the best fitting gis on the market, the most comfortable rash guards, and premium soft jiu-jitsu tees. Next time you're in the market for some new gear, check out RollUnion.com for the stylish and the savage. Lastly, we're brought to you by DownToRoll.com. DownToRoll.com was born out of the need for an innovative way to find BJJ training partners during the COVID-19 crisis. With gyms being shut down for many across the globe, you can register at DownToRoll.com and find small group training partners in your area. You can message partners directly from the map and interact with other like-minded players on the Down to Roll exclusive network. Go to downtoroll.com and start training again now. Thanks for supporting our sponsors, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Road to Black podcast. Welcome to episode six, the Road to Black podcast. How are you, Wes? I'm doing fantastic no complaints what about you i'm doing good i got some training in this morning happy about that i've been working at my one of my businesses all day and now i'm here talking to you same man. feeling good feeling good that's good to hear man you you uh for the listeners paul had a little bit of a banged up knee there for a little bit and yeah he is now back uh back going so that is super awesome yep my therapy paid off. I, uh, it's, uh, it, the last few weeks I've been training real light and, but I've been, I've been getting some rolls in and it's been slightly sore after, but like the last two sessions, one last week and then today I felt great. So it's just continuing to improve and get stronger. And I still doing some strength training and, and doing some therapy on it on my own in the gym and kind of in between sets of doing strength training, I'll go back and do some of my therapy and do a lot of stretching and just kind of just trying to strengthen my legs in general. But I, I do probably strength training three or f- three times a week now, three, four times a week. And I've been doing jujitsu three times. So it's been good. Just getting more and more back into it. That's awesome, man. You know, COVID sucks, but you know, if there's a, if there's a minute that you want to be, have, have an injury, that's the time to deal with it. I know. It was dear it was during that that kind of layoff. So our friend um, and training partner Gustav, he's gotten I think he's on his third surgery. Yeah, I've seen those pictures. <laughs> so he's just take it taking advantage of mending his messed up body over this time, which hey, I guess Power you don't to have him, to, man. Yeah, you get it all and, done and you don't really have to miss if you're already out due to COVID. Dude, and you know what? Like with here's the thing about that. A couple things about that. He's a he he first of all, he's a He's just a tough role. Anytime you train with that guy, it's um, super technical. Purple belt, uh, you know, just a handful, a handful to deal with. Oh my gosh! 
and he's a monster um, too. With all the therapy and the training, the, you know, all the therapy that he's doing and going through. Honestly, when COVID, when he was going through a lot of this stuff, when COVID was shut down, I was like, I was looking at a lot of people that were. Uh, I was looking at, at some people's stuff, and then him and all the stuff he was doing. I was like, honestly, whenever the gyms open back up, this dude's probably going to be the most well equipped to get back to the gym because yeah. he is just going through so much therapy and strength training and getting yeah. strong and going right through his full ranges of motion and all that stuff that um, he's going to, he would probably be the last person that I would be like, um, <laughs> yeah, dude, you should probably uh, not train so hard. Like, yeah. cause he's been going through so much yeah. rehab mm-hmm. and strength and conditioning and stuff that, He's a uh, specimen anyway. He is. He is. He's, he's a physical a, beast. He's a, I mean, he's, he's a beast. always working out. He's, he's a great dude too. So yeah, when, uh, he was going through all that, when he comes back to the mats, man, it's, people, yeah, people better be watch out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so can't wait to see him. Yeah. It's going to be, I'm, I'm hoping in the, I'm hoping he'll be back on the, I, I don't know what his time frame is, but I'll, I'm hoping to get back down to Arizona in the early new year at some point. Nice. So hopefully he'll be, um, he'll be at least back drilling and, uh, mm-hmm. if not doing some, some lighter stuff. So, so what did you train today? I trained today. Uh, yeah. So went to the gym, um, and, uh, got pulled into a, a battle with a white belt and, um, yeah, man, it was, he was, he was taking me to task. So <laughs> making uh, you, uh, show uh, off your skills, making me work for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 it was interesting. Um, you more know, of I, a white belt, more of a white belt that was skilled or more of a white belt that was kind of, uh, lots crazy of white belt. kind of spaz. crazy, spaz, yeah. crazy white belt. That can be, that can it, be tough to deal with sometimes, especially with a bigger, a bigger person. It was, uh, more like into a street fight than it was uh, jujitsu. Wow. It was pretty right from the get. Yeah. Right from the get. You know, like I walked up and I was like, Hey man, you know, you want to train? He's like, yeah. I was like, you know, you know, you got anything you're trying to work on? He's like, yeah, I just want to kind of work through a little bit of killing you. Know, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it came down to. Yeah. He was like, I want to work through, uh, you know, some, just getting out of bottom side control. And I was like, okay, cool, man. So I, you know, uh, you know, I started from the knees with him and, uh, it's cool, man. Let's start from the knees. Um, kind of pulled guard a little bit and just kind of sat back and let him kind of take control. And it was, he was, he was coming after me and it was a lot of spaz and, um, which is normal for mm-hmm. where he, I think he has maybe a couple stripes on his belt. Um, yeah, but, but still he's been yeah, training a while. He's been training a while and the, some of that spazziness should be settled down by now. It should be getting there more, but more so than what it was. Sometimes but, the, sometimes the ego is also involved with that. And you know, I mean, sometimes a white belt and he feels they need to prove themselves as well. And you might get a little spazzy if you don't know proper technique or yeah. you, know, you might use more strength than you need to in certain spots. Yeah. And some of the stuff I was thinking about was that, uh, I was like, honestly, I was glad that it was me that was rolling with him and not mm-hmm. another white belt. Um, 
for the sake of when it was dangerous as it was. Yeah. And, um, I was, I know, you know, having just years and years of experience on him, I was a little bit more equipped to manage that situation, but, um, had it been another white belt, I've, and uh, both of us have seen this two white belts going full yeah, combat mode on each other. Um, it's a recipe it's for, watch. it's fun to watch. It's also, <laughs> it's also a recipe for having neither one of them come back to the mats yeah, ever again. So, true. uh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, it, I, I want to take this podcast and just dissect some of that. Cause he, um, there was a lot of experiences there. I, I let him work his side, bottom side control. Mm-hmm. Um, I took him right to where he wanted to be. And, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. And I, I, I waited for the, I just held him there, let him just exhaust himself Yeah. until he gave the, uh, and then right. it was like, uh, I, I just asked him, I was like, what, what are you doing right now? Like, yeah. what's your biggest hangup? And he was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, well, <laughs> why are you doing this? I mean, he literally said, this. he's like, I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. I was like, that's exactly right. You don't yeah, know what exactly. you're doing. So you need to work your hip escape. Yeah. So I gave him, you know, 50, 60% enough to where it wasn't patronizing. You know, some people feel patronized whenever a higher belt will kind of let them work some things. Um, but it's yeah. not patronizing at all uh you just the way that for for any white belts that are listening the way that you build stronger connections is by going through the movements and yeah with some resistance but it doesn't help i don't care about tapping white belts it's just not like yeah exactly like why would a brown belt care about tapping white belts it's not about me winning it's about him being able to work through the situation and me being able to get a decent quality training session. And so, right. Um, I was like, okay, man, you need to start working your hip escape. And so I gave him some resistance. I let him work, work out of it. And then we basically, honestly, we, we did that uh, several times. I just passed again. Yeah. Made him think about it. Then I went to Mount and he just lost, he just lost it mm-hmm. and started you know, pressing up on his arms and it was like, really? did this, yeah, pressing up, just going crazy. And so he'd press up, I'd go to high mount. Yeah. Um, I gave him a little bit of the, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard it called this, but tenting. Have you ever heard it called tenting? No. Tenting is where you pull the, the lapels of your gi out and you mm-hmm. kind of make it like a tent over the person in like high mount. So they're, it's not Sm- smother them. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so I gave him Scare a little him. bit of a gave, gave him a little bit of a panic, and it can get it can be a panic. It can get there. it can get it can get pretty dicey, and then uh, thinking back on white belt, yes, for sure. Yeah, so it was I, scary under there. It's scary, yeah. So I gave him a little bit of that, and then I pulled up, and he was going crazy, and I was like, "Well, what do you need to do right now?" I don't know. Okay, you need to scoot your hips back and start scooting your hips back, and he so he scooted his hips back. And then I was like, okay, you have two escapes. You have uh, the UPA or whatever people call it, where you can trap the arm and roll, mm-hmm. or you have your knee to elbow. So yep. start looking for either one of those. But what you cannot do, 
is push on me with your arms because I'm going to I'm going to bring my knees into your armpits or I'm going to take uh, even take an arm bar home. Yeah. At the end of the session, I think he was really appreciative of it. It was it was I think a tough session for him. Yeah. Um just but at the end of it he I felt like uh he he I felt like he got a lot out of it. He thanked That's me good. and he was like Yeah. You know, I that I let him work some stuff him work some things out. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that was good for him. But for the white belts out there, I, actually, this is, I think that white, I, I don't know. I was scared to death as a white belt to roll with upper belts. Yeah. Because I was, I didn't have a clue. I was like, these guys are just going to demolish me. Like these purple belts, brown belts, and black belts, like they're, like, they're just going to feast on me. Yeah. And. um Well, I mean. What would be better for this guy today for you to just control him the entire time and, you know, totally demolish and demoralize him (laughs) or you you let him work a little bit and, you know, he gets to play his game a little and he understands and you help him, you know, coaching through the round and after the round, what this is, what that's what it's all about. If every single person rolled with the white belt and just destroyed them and tapped them tap after tap after tap, if everyone did that, they would not progress. Yeah. Because you can't just progress from being dominated all the time or, and, or it's going to be a slow progression Yeah, because you're going to be fighting for your life the whole time. So you have to have some in this. I look back on my own professors. They both did this routinely where I would feel them. You, you get to know when you can feel them giving you a little give, you know, yeah. They're testing you. Is he going to take this path or is he going to get back to this car? I mean, I, I wish they would still do that to me now, you know, but you know, because it's now it's just a hard role, but back then that was what it was about. Yeah. They could have dominated me. They could have mounted and, and just completely demoralized me every single time as a white belt. But there's, you know, you, you have to understand as a higher belt, I, I just think. I, I can't remember who said it, but I really love this philosophy that both it's two people on the mat. It takes two to tango and both people should enjoy that round and get something from it. So what that means is that if you're just a dominant purple belt and you just dominate people and you just go in there with some white belt and you're just like, I'm just going to tap this guy five. I'm every, every which way, but loose. That's, I mean, I guess that happens, but that's not the, to me, that's just not what it's about, you know? Um, and luckily I think we really, at our gym, I see that even with purple belts, I w- I've been watching lately and, and blue belts. I mean, they really good people will, whether it's a smaller person, maybe and a bigger person, same thing that can be, you know, sometimes you have to consider that you're a much heavier person and more technical. So that would be a good and, and stronger that would be a good time if you're going against a white belt, obviously let that person work through something, let them learn something in that role and and let them learn in the role versus just being dominated and learn nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's no fun. White belt is, uh, man, white belt is so much about survival. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you, you, there's, you show up and you're learning this new skill and it, sucks a lot of times because literally everyone on the mat is better than you right and it 
uh, it just, you're always the nail. And so when I showed up, um, you know, I was, like I was telling you, I was scared to death to roll with the higher belts, but man, I think that that is the best way because like you were saying, you know, you know, the, our professors and our coaches have, you know, they, they're really good about just giving that little window mm-hmm. and keeping it open for longer than what it normally would be. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is higher with, for white belts training with upper belts, you're going to, they're not, not every time. Um, and let, you know, if you get one of those people, like you were talking about that, they just, they just want to, it's not about getting a good training. It's just about yeah. d- well, demolishing they, people. That definitely exists. That definitely exists. Yeah. Um, it's, but if, if you find some good upper belts to train with, they will, as, as a white belt, they will give you as uh, much they, as you need. Absolutely. They will let you work through those problem sets, um, and let you work your game and try and work the the move of the day or mm-hmm. the things that you're trying to work on. Um, now as you progress, like you were saying it, it's those windows, they don't, right. Exactly. They don't stay open. It's, no. it's literally, if you're progressing to where yeah. you're threatening, then they're, you're going to have less of, they're not going to yeah. be so cordial, but that's the whole point is that yeah. we get everyone up to speed where people can actually be competitive. I mean, especially for a white belt that's new. Um, yeah. I mean, come on whatever you consider new to be, but you know, you remember the first even six months to a year, no matter how much you're training, just rolling is very foreign to people. And like, I've had so many white belts will just come through and I've seen them on there. We had some guy, um, last week come in, it was his second class that he came in and, you know, he'd come the day before came that day, super sore from his first day, but you know, it was time to roll. And it was like, he, um, he was like, didn't know what to do. And it's just, that's just common. You know, he yeah. literally just didn't know how do you even start to roll? Like, what do you do? So mind you, a blue belt, Brian, our friend, Brian, he, I just kind of glanced over. I kept glancing over and he was just completely helping him through the moves and saying, Hey, get this grip, get this grip. I'm going to show you how to do a simple pull. That is amazing. Yes, exactly. And that's the vibe of our gym. And that's why yeah. I love our class. Um, that's what it's all about. What are you going to, Brian could have just mopped the floor with him, you know, but no, he knows better. I mean, what, where, where's the satisfaction in that? None. There, uh, there's none. No. So, you know, help the brother out, help that man or woman out that they come in, get them, you know, at least, especially if they're new like that, they really don't. And I was, I was like that. It's like, okay, well, here you go. Roll with this person. I'm like total domination. People just don't from the get go. Yep. Um, you know, going back to your point, especially when, um, my, I've mentioned it before, but I was in a situation where even as a white belt, we were in very small group training where, you know, my, I got my black belt professor and then it was usually like a Brown and purple belt, a couple blue belts. And then very few white belts. So I've all, I was always training with higher belts and some people were like, that's a great, it's all I know, but some people were like, that's a great opportunity to learn from all these people, which was awesome. But on the flip side, it it took a long time for me to be able to where I could turn the tables on someone. 
There yeah. wasn't a lot of white belts in there. And the couple that were in there were my, about my skill. So it, you know, and that's where I mentioned on a previous podcast, my friend Nick had told me one time, you need to go to at our, at our school at that time, there was a white belt class or like an introduction class where it's all white belts. Um, so, you know, the level of instruction is different, yada, yada, yada. And I never really went, but he was like, go to that class. So you can at least get some offense going against some lower belts. And he would tell me this within my first year, year and a half as a white belt, you know, which was good advice. You know, he just saw that every day was me being dominated, but you know, Mm -hmm. I be, I'm really, I think I'm a really good defensive grappler because of that now. You know, I developed a lot of defense in those years mm-hmm. or, or, and just being able to be defensive and fight submissions. So, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a positive and a negative, but the fact is no matter what your, the group of people are in your gym, if it's a complete mix, you know, if it's a newer white belt, and even like you said, this person today had a couple stripes, they still haven't probably went against or maybe they haven't rolled with too many higher belts like yourself where you're kind of helping them and putting them back into a place where they need to, where they'll grow more versus just spazzing out. That's not going to get you anywhere. I mean, we all know that and that's what we all do at first, but you really have to realize that that's not how this works. You know? Yeah. I was, man, I, I felt so bad. Um, I, I felt really bad because, uh, he was really giving it everything he could. Um, mm-hmm. and I almost feel like, I, I, I almost feel like the, you know, you have to give that person just to, just to ex- let them expend themselves. Oh yeah. Cause for that sure. is the, it's almost like until they completely expend that. Yeah. Once they do, that is when they're the most coachable. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, you know you what I mean? You can't do anything until they do. Yeah. If you're in a live role and they're going that crazy and spazzing, you literally, it takes everything you have to get a guard or like I've, I've rolled with we uh, a couple of years ago, I was probably as a purple belt. I think I rolled with, we had this white belt coming in and I don't know if he was a former wrestler. This guy was, I mean, he was just thrashing people. Like he was just a, he was brand new and he was just a strong <laughs> grappler. I'm serious. Like, and a big guy. So it was like, my coach, I remember he was like, after a, the first couple times this person came in, it was like, he kind of took me aside and said, make sure you get a couple rolls in with him every, you know, he wanted me to roll with him to just for these same things to kind of settle him down and also to prevent him from rolling with other people that are going to get hurt. Honestly, I mean, that's what it was. He didn't stick around in, in our group very long, but when I rolled with him, it was, you know, I had to lock him up basically yeah. because it was thrashing around. It was a, a strong guy and I'm a big, I'm 200 pound person, you know, over 200 pounds, but this, he was, he was strong and 20 years younger than me. So, yeah. Um, but that's what I'm saying. It, it, it wasn't going to say, Hey, don't do that. Hey, slow down. No. Yeah. Like you have to just let him just get in, play your game or submit, do whatever you have to do. I mean, it wasn't like he was dominating me or anything, but right away I was like, Oh, I have to be on point with this person. And then, you know, just kind of calm this whole thing down. I real, I really remember that in certain roles where I have to calm the, calm the whole thing down. 
because when it's just so going crazy, you're going crazy too, trying to keep up with that person or trying to put them in a guard or whatever you're doing. It's energy expenditure. And neither of you want that as a negative. You want to yeah. do it, you do it in, a, in, a, in the right situation, not when you're just spazzing out. But we've been there, you know, you have to kind of control that and move through it. And that's what, what makes you more and more experienced, no matter what belt, you're going to experience that. Um, it, could, it could be a blue belt that's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not spazzing, but maybe this person is strong and athletic and really moving quick and maybe doing some unorthodox things. I've seen that too. And it hit you by surprise, but, you know, so you just have to be prepared for that. And that's where your technique will come in and start, you know, overtaking some of that. Yeah, the I don't feel like I got over the spazzing. I feel like the end of white belt, early blue belt is whenever I really started to move out of that. Yeah. That spaz like really I, I don't want to say out of the full-time spaz, but I would say by blue belt I was I was getting pretty close to out of that. Yeah. whole thing. Um but it it is it's really dangerous. And that's what I wanted to kind of touch on is that having two white belts that are probably both at the same level mm-hmm. is really dangerous. And I was actually really happy that I was able to roll with this gentleman today. Cause if there were, if there was another one, two, even a three stripe white belt, even a blue belt, yeah, you know, that, that could have gotten, that could have gotten pretty ugly. And so, um, well, you know, he's, the, in, he's obviously training another, you know, he's in there and he's probably training with these people, yeah. whether you're, whether you're there or not. So I think just that little bit of advice is basically just calm down and get your composure in certain situations. It doesn't help if you're under the mount and you're freaking out. It just, that's, we all know that you're going to yeah. expend, you're going to expend all your energy and you're going to be completely gassed. And we both, you and I have both been there on the, on both sides. Yep. Um, you know, as white belts or whatever, lower belts, been on the bottom, freaking out, not knowing if you can breathe, um, you know, which way am I going to go? Oh, it's only seconds until I get submitted to being on the top where, you know, I'll roll with someone now that I feel that same panic under there. And that's just the part of the game. And I'll sometimes try to increase that panic, you know, and just try to like, you know, that's what they have to go through. And I always say afterwards or whatever, you know, you got to settle down in that position, it's not going to help you to start push, like you said, pushing up so I can catch an arm bar or exposing yourself to, or, you know, trying to freak out and roll over and expose your back and your neck and just, it's hard, yeah, but that's, it's that's super hard. That's why, you know, it goes back to our blue belt blues discussion and what it takes to even get through the blue belt. But here we are talking about white belt, just getting to the blue belt. Um, so that being said, that's one of, I think the tenets of being a white belt to get to the blue belt level probably is to, like you said, that's kind of when you felt that you kind of maybe made that leap. I can't remember. I I can't remember. I was probably spazzing the whole time too. I'm probably giving myself too much credit as a white belt, but I definitely remember even as a blue belt, some of those times where you panic and you're just like, try to explode. Yeah. You know, you still absolutely, you know, I mean, and you just, I just don't do that as much because I'm like, well, I've done that a million times. It didn't mm-hmm. get me anywhere, you know? So it's just get being on the mat, getting that time in. But I think that's a big one to get to your blue belt is 
calming that white belt fury down and and it goes back to being comfortable in in certain situations and it's re- you know it's really hard because uh you're in the you know you're in the moment you're grappling this is all new it's uh you're you're trying to access the information you're trying to do these things you're not even sometimes uh you're not even sure what you're doing like that gentleman today i, I he didn't know what he was doing Mm-hmm. Um, he was just doing something to do something. And yeah. so there's almost like a psychological component where, especially when you're in the mount or you're in those bad positions under somebody's really tight side control or whatever it is, you almost have to, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to coach somebody to do it. Um, but you almost have to override that instinct of like completely freaking out. You have to like, talk yourself through it yeah to just be like it's good it's okay it's okay like just stay calm stay calm and like i don't know the answer to that one how to and that's what i was trying to get with this gentleman today was yeah i put him there because uh, i wanted to like exhaust him and then it was like okay dude you need to look at what you look at what you have right now like you're you're mounted yeah. Like you need to, you need to get your hips back yeah. and then you need to work your, the two escapes that, you know, which are honestly my two highest percentage. I just chain, I'm, I know you do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just chain that UPA the, or the, the, the buck and roll. I, I commit to it, make the person post. And then I go right into my knee to elbow escape. Yeah. So it's, it's just, going back and forth between the two that's like my highest percentage yeah and you know how you got good at that from being, being mounted my and being panicked and yeah that's goes back to what i was saying it's like you, you in what you're saying you you can't they have to figure that out for themselves so you have to experience it and it's like any other belt and what we've been talking about these last few weeks if you're in those positions routinely and as a white belt you will be know something from that position yeah figure it out don't keep repeating the mistakes and the errors week after week day after day if you find yourself under the mount learn and escape if it's not being taught that week in your school go on youtube ask your coach how about that i mean yeah spend a couple minutes get a private lesson get a couple minutes after class hey i'm under the mount all the time show me i you know and maybe you weren't even there for when they showed mount escapes it's not like they're teaching them every week and if if you don't have a brown belt teaching you or a black belt on the mat or a brown belt like yourself helpful how are you going to learn literally you'll be there all the time so again if you're in those frequent positions have some type of something you can recall so that you're not sitting there um trying to access the information not knowing what it is so you just try to recall it and there you go. Wes's two right there. Those two little escapes. There's plenty other ones. Um, those come to mind, but I also have some that come to mind that my professor has yep. taught me. Um, so first rule, don't get there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember them telling me that a lot. The first rule, just don't get under Just the don't mat. get mounted. Yeah, don't go get mounted. <laughs> that was always number one. Uh, Thanks, but, coach. <laughs> yeah, and it is great advice. <laughs> you know, you can't argue it. However, once you do get mounted, because it, inevitably it'll happen, um, 
have those go-to moves and then, you know, look, your whole, your whole round might be working on your escape from under the mount. It yeah. might take you the whole five, six minutes, whatever you're rolling. It might take you the whole time to set it up. But even if you get back to a half guard or something, guess what? Chalk that up as a victory. That's 100% a victory. As a white belt who's getting submitted from the mount all the time, you start there. You know? God, no I'm matter what guard you are. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. If you can get out of that situation and, you know, half guard, I mean, full, uh, at, you know, trying to, you know, getting back to full guard is like, that's a long way to go. Um, but you know, if you can get into a better position, that's not Mount. I Absolutely. mean, that is what's 100% a win. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that, that's what I try to do. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to, what else are you going to do? You're not going to submit them from under the mat. <laughs> you yeah. got to get a guard back. Yeah. That's number Absolutely. one, you know, and then you can start working your game. Um, so, I mean, I think what other, what other, uh, since we're talking about white belts, what other, qualities do you see in someone that's moving beyond a white belt into the blue belt stage because i was kind of thinking about this as you were talking it's like trying to think back on the white belt and you know um and who what right what white belts are around me now and how they're being coached and you know um i can i can come up with someone that i roll with you know every week and he's a white belt and he's got two or three stripes i don't know a couple stripes but his his thing is that he's he's kind of dynamic and he he goes for a lot of unorthodox stuff. But one thing I will say is like you have to. He makes an error on a very basic thing is that he'll just immediately give up position, mm-hmm. so he doesn't like even attempt to get a guard sometimes. So even you know maybe maybe he gets tapped and you slap hands again, you slap bump, you're ready to go again, and it's like at the very first sign of danger or something it's like he gets to a comfort zone or i just immediately pass the guard you know what i mean or it's just so i think first of all is like these obviously you have to know a lot of specific specific like basic positions and moves i think to to move into the blue belt right you want to know yeah learn your positions but also things like that is like your guard doesn't have to be some crazy thing to be a blue belt, right? But yeah. you have to be able to get someone in your guard. And does that make sense? So you have to like be smart enough to not just lose the match in the first 10 seconds of the role. So that's a good, I think that's good advice for any white belt is like, don't put, cause we all do it, right? You don't have enough skill. So like, I always found myself right away, somebody passing my guard and I'm in bottom side control as a white belt, you know, getting smashed. So the first thing is, is don't make that, make that tougher for your training partner, I guess is my message here. Yeah. Cause I've rolled with a couple, several white belts because of that have this issue. And it's because you're just new and you don't, you know, you, maybe you don't even know that many guards or anything, but don't try to go for stuff that's maybe over your head and make sure you're doing some basic stuff like getting a guard and not letting me just walk right around your legs. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that that's a big one for me is like you have to be able to recognize that at least recognize the game in the way it's played. It's a guard against a guard passer or vice versa. It's not I'm a white belt, I'm just gonna play this crazy open game and it's not going to work for you. And and that goes back to like the spazzing thing, you know, mm-hmm. just being 
kind of out of your element and just flying by the seat of your pants, I guess is what, how I could sum it up. Yeah. You know, so you have to start even as a white belt, start understanding the technical side of it and implementing some of that. And maybe a lot of it's on the defensive end. Maybe look, maybe your guard, your guard isn't going to be strong. So maybe it gets passed right away. Mine did a lot when I was a Mm -hmm. white belt. Yes. And then I found myself always making, uh, advancements in my defense or solidifying it. You know, like you said today, when the guy was in your uh, bottom side control, he didn't really know what to do. You know, it's like, okay, let's make our frames. Let's frame, frame our arms up. Let's create some distance. That's, that's a win, right? I mean, at least you're not coming around to North South and choking me, or you're not getting lapel around my neck, you know? So those are it's small wins in every belt and in jujitsu in, in general. You want to make these little, you know, take pride in the little wins you're making and make little advancements, but at least make advancements. So, yeah, I um, I feel like uh, I feel like in blue belt, and it's this is the this is going to hit on the strategic part that you sp- spoke about earlier is getting comfortable learning to strategically when to open your guard and getting comfortable opening your guard, not Mm -hmm. just, uh, I see a lot of white belts who, uh, they either just open their guard and they never close their guard. And they, it's just like this, it's kind of, um, they just play a big, like a lot of open guard stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't think that it's, they're intentionally playing an open guard. No. Um, <laughs> That's kind of where I was going with some Yes, yeah. And so uh, the, then I see a lot of white belts that will only play open guard. They won't, op- they will not open their guard for anything. So that then you spend the whole round with the top person trying to open the guard. So and the bottom you're saying person, they play only guard, like tight only guard. close yeah. guard. Yeah. yeah. So it's the whole round is. I've been there many times. Yeah. The the top <laughs> player is just trying to work his one one open guard technique that he's got, and yeah. the close and the person on bottom is literally focusing all of his energy on just maintaining and opening a guard. Yeah. I feel like when you take that step, that next step into blue belt, blue belt, you kind of get the ideas. You kind of get that comfortability with, okay, this guy's probably going to open my guard or I'm going to open my guard on my terms. Yeah. So you become more comfortable playing and and going into an open guard and then playing something, going for something else. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, So yeah, being comfortable starting to, open your jujitsu and open the guard up. Even, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're, you know, maybe you're you just past, even if you get past, maybe yeah. you're in that phase where you're just like, okay, like I can't sit here and play close guard all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, okay, let's, let's open my guard up and yeah, yeah you might get past or you develop a really dope half guard game because you can catch a leg or you can go from open guard and transition into half guard and you come up on the sweep and then you start working that you, that becomes yeah. the part of your development. So, um, yeah, I feel like that is that piece going into blue belt where the strategic part of it of, of 
when I can open, when I should be yeah, closed, sure. using the closed guard as less of uh, less of a position and more of like a, I'm going to reset here and then I'm going to open up and start my game, my attacks again, or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever your game looks like. That's, that's just how I use the closed guard Yeah, is it's a reset. I'm going to reset. I'm going to re kind of re uh, center myself and then I'm going to start my mm-hmm. next series up. Yeah. I played a lot of closed guard in those early days just because mm-hmm. of that. I it, mean, it's the strongest guard. It's survival. Yeah. It, well, it's a strong guard. You know, yeah. and, and if you're, if I could lock that up on uh, even a blue belt or something, uh, it's going to save me some more time when I was a white belt. And, you know, it's, it's one of the basics. I mean, you got to use, you got to, you got to learn that guard. But uh, one of our coaches, Manny, told, he instilled in me many years ago this concept, and I've never forgotten it. And it's really valuable advice. And it's when you're in, when you have somebody in the guard, you have to you have to make the decision and you have to be the one to open the guard open your guard before they open it yes it's it's critical and it's so true and it's happened to me so many times where i i'm just gonna hold it this much longer or i can't nope and the guy passes and then he he has the advantage immediately absolutely because he opened the guard so now i i always am cognizant of that always so and you know if you're just visualizing this let's say just you have a you have a closed guard situation and I, I have someone in the closed guard and they're just, they're doing what they're doing and they're really breaking, they're backing out and maybe doing something and pushing down my leg and really there, I feel it's going to break. I have to be the one to open my guard and get my foot on the, my feet on the hips. Yeah. Immediately. And that is just like, I've never forgotten that. And I learned that in probably white or white or blue bell, but um, that is, you know, as just a little, a little extra tidbit there, but that is like, if you want to be on that next the level up against your training partner, you have to be the one to you know, like you said, and you're not, you might not have this in white belt, but that's something you're going to have to develop is to be able to recognize going back to what you said when to open, when not, what you know, where are your opportunities here? But if someone is about to break your guard, no matter what the guard, be prepared to open and change or transition to another guard um, before they open it, because normal typically if they're opening it it's a little bit, you're slightly too late to do some recovery. Oh, yeah. You're playing from behind. Yeah. Right, right away. Yeah. So that, I mean, that concept is just, it gets more and more, uh, that, that just goes through the, the whole thing, like mm-hmm. all, all the way through the belt system. Yeah. Um, and that's what the highest level guys are so good at. And it, it's just levels of, you know, knowing when, Oh man, this guy's already, he might not even be past your guard yet, but you know that my leg is here. His hand is there. His posture is here. I know. Thinking several moves ahead. Absolutely. And you know that the better you get at that, uh, you're like, okay, he already beat me in the position. I have to be ahead on the next one. Mm -hmm. So instead of, I'm going to, I'm going to give up the, I'm going to give up the position that he already won, even if he's not passed yet. And I'm going to start shooting an underhook or whatever it is so that you can beat him to the next punch. Cause he's, he's gonna, if, if he has all of his things already in place, it's just a matter of time. You can hang on, you can try and hang on. Yeah. But if, if he has all of his points, all of his, his, his 
touch points are are there and he's already got the position he, yeah. he just all he has to do is is settle and so that's where getting good at oh man i already lost this position i have to beat him to the next one that's where i'm shooting underhooks that's where i'm throwing in a lasso that's where i'm you know doing some other piece of i'm, I'm trying to get to that next spot and that's mm-hmm. that's and i think that's getting into that probably that purple belt area where beating people to positions and windows getting a lot more close, but going into the blue belt, white belt, going into the blue belt. Yep. Learning when to open, learning when to close, getting comfortable. Super important. Another piece of advice I was given, and I think this goes, uh, this goes all the way through the belt system as well. Uh, when I'm playing with a, when I'm, uh, grappling with a superior grappler, whether it's belts or whether, um, it's it just Khabib. somebody. Yeah. If I'm a white belt, like Khabib, that white belt, like Khabib. And when I'm, when I'm going against <laughs> Khabib, I'm not pulling guard on that dude. Yeah. Period. Like <laughs> he has me at a significant skills advantage. Yeah. So if you're at a skills advantage, and then you're also having to carry that person's weight. Yeah, that person tough. will probably know how to distribute their weight really well. Mm-hmm. So if you are at a skills advantage, disadvantage, and then you have to carry that person's weight, like, man, that is, that's yeah. tough. So I, and I tell that to white belts, blue belts, purple belts. Um, when I told that to somebody last week or two weeks ago, and it was like the whole, the light bulb went off for him. I was so happy. Yeah. Cause he was like, dude, that is like the best advice because I was like, well, dude, why do you want to carry, carry my weight? Yeah. You know, I've, you know, I've got some experience on the mats on you. Like, don't, don't put yourself in a guard mm-hmm. because like, you're going to be playing from behind. So yeah, I tell unless him, play. You have, yeah, unless you have like a, there's some people that have a really attacking dynamic singular guard, I would say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where they have a, they might be a guard player, but there's just one position where it's not going to, what you're saying isn't going to matter. There are people like that. And yeah. you've trained, you've trained with people that immediately mm-hmm. will put you into a guard and it's dangerous and they're a lower belt. However, you know, if you can't, if you're not attacking, I think it changes the game. If yeah, you're just, for sure. I, I spoke about this today. Um, I was telling, talking to somebody in class about this and it's like, you know, especially in competition and what I, that's exactly what I've found in my competitions as a, as a older grappler, um, a heavy weight. I, I like as a purple belt, I pulled guard in every match. And there was just sometimes when, if, if I just even tried to hold the guard, you know, I wasn't attacking that person. They're just as skilled as me and they're powerful. And you can feel that the, you know, when you're training with someone as strong as you, it's like, Oh, wow. And then it becomes a different game. And that's exactly what it was. It was more, more of a 60, 40. I mean, maybe it's because my guard wasn't strong enough. I understand that, but there's just something to be said about have being top skilled and top having some crazy top pressure. 100%. Yeah. And that's, that's why you see, um, in this, in the, in the master's categories, there's not a lot of people like there's there's people that pull guard, but you'll see right away 
like bigger dudes, they just like to stand on their feet because they know there's a wh- whoever is getting that takedown is going to be in the dominant position for the whole yep. match. Yeah, that is widely known. Um, you know, and that's just whether you buy into that philosophy or not. I think there's something to that. And I I remember last year I was like, this was last year I was like, next year I'm going to do an experiment and I'm not pulling guard in any competition I do. And obviously this is the COVID year, but competition stuff didn't work out for me but that i'm going to put more focus on that aspect because i i, I was like i'm going to build my guard and I, so i was like every competition i did as a purple belt i'm like i'm pulling guard because that's what i need to work on like i just knew my guard needed so much work i was like might as well put it on task in these competitions you know mm-hmm. and but my to, to be honest i'm probably strong i'm stronger on the top game you know yeah that's that's where I can dominate more for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's so, I, I mean, um, that's why I like the top yeah. game too because it's so like I've been did, playing yeah. more of it lately, and you know you got to be well rounded. So like I was telling someone today, it's like I overheard someone say, "Well, I always that's my weakness. I feel like I'm always and I'm like that's what you need to work on then for the next six months. Just every time in class, at least do that. Whatever it was, I don't remember what we were talking about, but look, I mean that's what we're doing here is we're learning. And you have to put the the practice in on the mats, but also mentally to get it going, learn something. And, you know, you have to put, put some thought into these things. Um, you can't just wait until uh, the, the lesson at the academy happens to be how to get, you know, how to escape under the mount. You have to, like, understand what you're in. It just goes for white belts as well, what, what you're struggling with. Ask your coach, maybe some training partners. How do you get better? How do I not be put in bottom side control every single time I roll because it's getting really old and I'm wanting not to come back to jujitsu? You know, so there's things you can do for that and to work on that instead of just going out there every single roll and flailing around because yeah. no one showed you or you haven't put in the work or the effort. And mind you, when we're new, we don't really know how much effort we need to put in or how much study. I wasn't doing a lot of study outside when I was a white belt. I was like, this is my academy. This is where I'm learning this stuff. So and that's understandable too, but it's like anything you got to work on it. So whether it's your guard or you're trying to escape the mount or you're wanting to play more top game, you got to just put in, put in the work and just focus on it for a while. You know, you're, you're not going to forget the rest of your game, but every time I've done that with no matter what it was, you know, there was a time where I was like, I need to learn. I need to learn foot locks and leg locks as a blue belt because I knew that purple belt is going to be more ankle locks. And, and we had a training partner at the time who runs his own gym now. And uh, he's like an ankle lock guy. So for like a for- year straight, I was like every, every second after class that I could, I would go right over to Josh and I'd yeah. be like, show me some stuff. Oh, you know, show, me, show me this, show me. So every time I rolled with him, it was an ankle lock battle because not only I, he, he would throw them on me, but it helped me with my defense, knowing a guy that's that good. But also I would, I would try to hit him with them because if, if, if you're hitting them and you're at least attempting them on someone that's that skilled and knows the defense, pat yourself on the back. Yeah. That's why I say you should always try, even if it's their game, if it's enrolling, try, try to beat them at their own game because that's how, you know, this person knows the position. So what better of a challenge than to try to ankle lock a guy that likes to ankle 
lock ankles. <laughs> yeah. And you know that, I mean, that straight ankle lock, I learned that when I was a white belt and it's, um, it's a fundamental technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like a heel hook. It's not, um, it, you know, it's not something along those lines. And, you know, he's a black belt now and he hits that straight ankle lock at the highest levels against oh, some of every time, every single time. I mean, he's on fight to win. He's in I doing IBJJF. He's Josh Guerra. He is. He hits those straight ankle locks, and you know he's he's put in just so much time hitting those things. And, and this is the the first time this was uh, this idea of really doing a um, doing some self study or things like that. It was introduced to me. It was a brown belt. His name's Icaro. Um, I think he's the training down in Australia now. Uh, he's from Brazil. He's a part of, I don't know. I forgot what team he's with, but, um, he was like, it was just me and him rolling for several months. And he was like, I want you to only hit triangles. I want you to only look for triangles. That's it. We're going to roll and you only look for triangles. Mm-hmm. And I did that for like months with with him and then my triangles got like really good. Yeah. And I was hitting them from everywhere. Um I did some self study. I got the Ryan Hall DVDs which are game changers for triangles. Um and you know that triangle is it's a part of my game now but I I built an entire I don't even really finish the triangles anymore. I've I've gotten into triangles so many times that I've and people have defended it that I've been able to build the system around the triangle and use it as a position. Yeah. That where somebody wants to defend, cool, you know, we can go to the omoplata, we can go to the whatever. Like you can yeah. build like so you build the entire you build the move and then you build the system around it mm-hmm. that eventually you're not even gonna need the move anymore because your system is gonna be so yeah. good that it just it's just gonna flow right through the whole the whole sequence it's yeah. and that's that, what makes that was, it fun too that's when it becomes a lot more it fun. becomes a lot of fun when you can start doing that with your own game and uh that's what it's all about so to encourage white belts and any lower belt that's you know you put in the work that's what you can expect at some point in time and that's why you look up to these people and you see these skilled people on the mat not all of them but you know if it's somebody that has some decent game, they're going to know exactly what you're saying, you know, multiple position, multiple moves from different positions, being able to transition because quite often the first one's not going to work, go to your second choice, or you're setting up a whole system. You're, you're baiting them into something like you do. Um, the such a fun game at that point. Yeah. It becomes, it's just, and it's a great way to learn too. And that's kind of what we've touched on with, mapping your moves like i've talked about before mapping your jujitsu even if it's on a little scratch piece of paper but you can do it at any belt level Mm -hmm. you know i mean get you just said it you worked on those triangles until you became like that was what you're you were getting everybody in them yeah that you can do that with pretty much any position if you choose to you know yeah don't neglect other parts of your game but spend a little more time mentally or and also on the mats working whatever it is the de la Hiva, you know maybe you got some sweet you got some nasty sweeps and some triangles off of that or something and you have this whole system you can develop that at a blue belt i mean yeah you just start working on it i we're training with a blue belt right now that has pretty sick 
armbar game, you know, and he's got some different setups from it and stuff. So, you know, you just have to start. It's, I keep going back to it, but you just have to put the mental work in. And yeah. a lot of times that's outside of the gym, whether it's in your car on the way to work or it's at work or whatever you're doing. If you're just, even if you're training four or five days a week, if you're only training, you know, if you're going to one class, that four or five hours, you're, you're very limited on what you're learning within that period. You have warm ups, you have the lesson, which you're actually learning. Then you have roles, you're shooting the shit with people. So the level of, you know, the amount of instruction you get through the week from your academy is actually, you know, I'm not going to say it's small, but in terms of time, if you're just a hobbyist or you're going three, four times a week, it's not that much time, mm-hmm. a few hours at the most. So, you know, you might have to put in a couple extra hours, no matter what your belt, um, even if you're a white belt and that just, whatever it is, a study, you know, you're, you're just figuring it out, talking to people, especially at the white belt level, you know, and your, your moves are not, maybe they're not going to be so much offensive and setting up systems, but survival, but there's nothing to say that you can't as a white belt, lock up your closed guard and start working some attacks and get, get a solid, right. solid game going, you know? Yep. Um, so white belts, it's a tough belt. It's a tough, they're all tough belts, man. But it, this is one where, um, you just always feel like the nail and yeah. it is, uh, it's, it, it, it's frustrating. It's definitely frustrating. And, um, it gets, it gets better. It does get better white belts, but man, it does, it does feel like, uh, you're always the nail and, uh, everybody's just, you just, you feel like you suck. And <laughs> You got to look at, you got to look down the road and and have a positive outlook on what it's going to be like envision yourself in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, just, just, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have that in your heart that says, I'm just going to, I'm just going to know if I work through this and I struggle and I put in the work in a couple of years, I'm going to be skilled like that guy over there yeah, or that gal over there. Or in a few more years, I'm going to be like this purple belt over here, you know? So you, you can't see, you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel per se for yourself, but you can start working and just enjoying the ride as you go. You know, that's a huge one for me. I mean, I think having a good vibe and an encouraging environment around you, especially when you're starting, I mean, is there anything more key? Probably not. You know, if you're in a, if you're, let's say you're in a tougher gym and maybe there's less personal instruction and I'm just throwing things out there, but and maybe you don't have a lot of close friends your age or even you're not connecting with anyone in the gym. Imagine then getting smashed every day. You know, that's a different that's a different pill to take to swallow, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's set and setting as well, you know, have some good people around you, but even if you don't, you have to take that extra effort to make those little gains and and hang your hat on them, you know. It's like that's what we that's what you have to do. I mean, yeah. That's what we all did. You just have to, you just can't, you can't keep making the same mistakes, getting your back taken or, or, you know, and we all make those mistakes through our belts at different levels and different mistakes. Who's to, I'm not saying I don't make mistakes. I make them all the time. Yeah. And I still am cognizant of them and making sure that I address them and that's it. And my, I had some roles in with one of my coaches, um, at the Royal Union gym last month. And uh he 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 kind of just he 
he's quiet and he basically gave me this grip change up from kind of like a half guard to where, you know, someone's in my half guard and maybe they stand up just maybe they're on their knees and they start standing up. So maybe you have to transition to like a reverse De La Hiva, if you can envision that, you know, and, but either way, it was just a slight change in my grip where I switched lapels from like a cross collar grip from half guard to the same side. And, you know, he, he's super smart guy. So he kind of told me why and explained the mechanics of it. And I've been doing it in a sense. And it's been like a game changer for me. So that right there, I mean, I'm a brown belt and that, and I kept making that same mistake. And he eventually said something to me because he would roll with me and see that mistake being made. And it wasn't like a drastic thing, but he just, this slight change from one lapel to the other. And I was setting up, you know, from a half guard, I had like a, a cross collar grip, if you can imagine. Like, yeah. So if someone kind of pressures into me, I can loop choke, you know, there's a couple different chokes I like to hit there, but it really, those are like few and far between in terms of what he showed me and having a stronger frame and not even allowing them to ever even come close to me and break my guard. So anyway, the point of the story is, is even, you know, it doesn't matter what level and even into the black belt level, I hope that I have people at black belt when I'm black belt teaching me and helping me because there's no way in hell that I can do this without anybody else that's come before me and teaching me this stuff. And the day I turned black belt, it would be sad if I never rolled with another black belt that taught me anything again. So yeah. you're always learning. Um, and a lot of times it's the small details, like you were just a little grip, absolutely. just a little something here or there. And maybe it's a bigger details when you're new, but it's relevant. It's all relevant. Yeah. You know, it's still just as bad for me to do some things I'm doing at my level and making these dumb mistakes where. Yeah, as a white belt, you're not going to even be in a position to make these mistakes, but we all do it, you know, and that's part of expanding your game and trying out new things and, and really working on techniques that work for you, you know, and yeah, making it part of your game. So speaking of teaching and learning, our own uh, Paul here is going to be teaching some classes uh yeah unofficially here, here's unofficially <laughs> teaching some uh, classes here well, soon yeah yeah i've been i've been showing some stuff um in in class and uh working with my coach on it and uh he asked me to show a couple of the the specific moves in a class wednesday mornings in our in our school we have like a it's kind of like a fundamental program on wednesdays we focus on fundamentals um in that class. So it's a perfect opportunity to me to open this up, but he kind of like, he, he knows that I always, uh, you know, I help him with instruction every day in terms of being the uke and stuff and like helping my, I always try to help my coaches out as much as possible, you know? So I really appreciate those guys. And, uh, he's been a friend of mine for eight years now. So he trusts me and, um, he's seen me teach people all the time. I'm always showing people stuff every, every class. I love that part of it. I like to teach. So, I'm stoked about it. And so it goes back to like what we've been talking about because these last several days when I found that out, um, basically I'll just, the next few Wednesdays, I'm going to run the class and just, I want to, I'm, I'm framing it in terms of everyone has their different approach to teaching, but, um, uh, from a very specific position in terms of this, it's going to be, you know, some side control variations, but, um, I'm going to roll it from week to week. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, 
have like a two or three, probably a three week at least from this one position, I'm going to have several attacks and a couple transitions to other positions. So a lot like my philosophy on jujitsu and how I like to learn, that's what I'm going to try to implement. And we've talked about it on the podcast, but so my goal is so in the la- in the next after the next few weeks, these people if they all come to each class, they're going to learn. Vi- if they get into that position, I guarantee they're going to remember those specific moves. So from that specific position that I'm teaching is basically it's like uh, it's almost like a side back side control from the back, you know, if someone's on their side and you kind of mm-hmm. have like a Kimura grip on them or something. So, um, but it's a very specific position, but once people get into that position, they're going to recall be able to recall. I'm going to teach at least four or five different, you know, variations, whether it's a submission or transition into some other move, but that's what I, I don't get a lot of shots at these. So I'm just going to take a three week span and show a couple moves every week. and then try to wrap it up so that it's becomes a, I just think that's a great way to learn. It's how I like to learn. Um, and when we did that, when we do that in our gym at times where we really focus on very specific positions, those are the times I remember the lessons the most Yeah. Uh, versus just flying, flying through stuff and trying to do different stuff week to week. So um, I just like that. So that's how I'm going to do it. So it, I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun. Um, some of the guys and my friends are, they're pretty excited about it and reaching out and um, it's a good time, you know, and it really, for me, it helps, man, it helps me dial it in and make my game stronger because like, I don't think I've ever focused on precise technique. Like I have built writing these lessons up. Yeah. So um, it'll be cool, but it's going to be really good. And I think everyone's going to enjoy it a lot. Dude, when you sent me that text, I was like, dude, that is so awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. So con- con- congratulations because yeah. that's a big, um, that's a, that's a big, it's a big step and it's a big accomplishment. And you're also going to get to teach your professor. Yes. Who brought you up pretty much to My the brown belt. Is that yeah. correct? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is, um, that yeah, is a huge accomplishment. He's stoked about it. And he keeps, you know, he'll message me or, he, you know, he messaged in our group chat. He's like, I'm excited to take this class. So that just feels awesome. You know, it's yeah. like, and I have to remind him all the time. I'm like, well, these are, you know, a lot of this is your lesson. Like I yeah. learned this stuff from him and my other coach, you know? So, um, but it's, I'm, uh, I'm honored. Let's just say that I'm honored. And, yeah. um, I'm glad he can, tr- he puts trust in me. And I know he does because we've worked with, with each other for years and, um, uh, that's, I'm stoked about it, man. I'll have to let you know how it goes. Yeah, dude. I wish I could be there to to support, man. I, uh, next time it, it's uh, next time, man. It, mm-hmm. it uh, honestly, that is, uh, I was super pumped and then I was like kind of bummed that I'm not going to be able to be there to support you, but, uh, yeah, maybe, it's you know, you know, I support you. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe someone will snap a little video of some of the lesson and we'll go from there, but yeah, it, it's, I, I like that stuff and um, I'm going to teach some submissions. So, you know, yeah. So a lot of times we don't get to, you know, a lot of yeah. times you're working on the basics and you're working on sweeps and stuff. And when he asked me to, I was actually showing an arm bar uh, for a couple of weeks to the guys that I learned from someone out from someone on uh, Instagram. And uh, I started like, just like you, I was building a system kind of around that position. I was like, I really like this arm bar. I've been hitting it a lot. And then I started, okay, what others, what other things do I get into from here? So that's what I'm going to teach is just kind of teach a little mini system on that. 
and uh, we'll see where it goes. That's fantastic, man. Yep. Well, Well, good deal, man. I guess that's it. I'm going to mention rollunion.com. If anybody needs some apparel, Um, we got some new gear coming out. We have currently, um, if you need a ranked rash guard, we have limited colors and sizes left, but they're right now they're 50% off because we are going to roll out some new ranked rash guards in 20 early 2021. Um, so we're kind of clearancing these last ones out. Um, a lot of people really love these rash guards. And so those are real cheap right now. If anyone wants to go grab one, I have a couple fun short sleeve rash guards coming out um with royal union branding on it that's those are those came out really nice and also a mini drop kind of a extremely limited edition hopefully in the next month of some nice heavyweight medium to heavyweight sweatshirts black hoodies so those are those are going to be sick so got some new things coming out if you've ordered the blue steel gi, I'm just going to give you an update here because I know some of our followers have a couple weeks more. You guys will have that. You'll be training in it. It's going to be sick. Thanks for following Rural Union on Instagram, Facebook, Wes, BJJ Physio. How you the doing? BJJ Physio, dude. That's, honestly, man, I, I've things are going pretty good for me. But if you are injured or sick of being injured and you're ready to start uh, up in your your game and getting back on the mats and being healthy, looking for a, a strength program to complement your jujitsu. I'm your I'm your guy, the BJJ physio. Um, well, let me know. Give me a Check follow. It Check, Check it out. out. White belts, hang in there. Be strong. Put some mental thought into what you're doing. Don't freak out every time you're rolling. Get over that spazzy stage and. Get some technique. We've all been there, but uh, reach out to an upper belt. Upper belts, you got to help those white belts out. Yeah. We got to hashtag uh, keep white belts alive. You know, we got to keep <laughs> them coming. We got we to gotta have somebody to train with in the coming years. So, all right, guys, uh, we will see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Road to Black podcast. Once again, please support our sponsors, the BJJ Physio. Contact Wes, he'll hook you up with some customized programming for your game. Take it to the next level. Therapy, performance, the BJJ Physio. Also, Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Check out the latest styles, Jiu-Jitsu, casual wear, training gear. Check them out, RollUnion.com. Follow on Instagram, at RollUnion. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time.